Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, uh, uh, again, broken record, I get it. But this verse is spectacular. It's the most action-packed words, as compact as you can get, and virtually impossible to do. The directives that God gives us are a challenge, and they're supposed to be. But it is a beautiful verse, and this can change your life if you listen closely. Stand with me, if you would, as we read God's word together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus and to the church in Azel, as he says... Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts in the moments to come to, through your spirit, accept, absorb, and understand your word. These words are gibberish to this lost, dark world, but they are power for your people. And we claim that today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to begin with a story, and I've shared this uh, in years past, at least partly, and I'll share it again if you don't remember. Cherry and I had been here for one year. This was 1999 by now. We're in our 25th year this year. And uh, we took a vacation for the first time. And I called our associational missionary, our associational director for Tarrant Baptist Association. And I said to him, my wife and I are taking a vacation. <clears throat> we have a Sunday off. It was a small church of 70 or so across the street in a little building. And I sensed that God was, was calling us to, to transform. My, I told them at the time, again, the 1990s, I said, my desire is for First Baptist Church to become First Baptist Church, to be the cornerstone in the community that so many First Baptist churches are. And, and I said to our associational director, I said, I, I would like to, to take this Sunday off to go to, a, to a, a church here in the Metroplex that is dynamic, that is growing, that clearly God is moving in that church. Can you give me a list? And he said, yes, go to such and such church. And we did. And so this was my first chance to see another church. Now you guys have the option, many of you or most of you, to go to a different church every Sunday. Don't do that, come here. But you can hypothetically go to a different church. And this is before the interweb because now you can get on Facebook and you can go to every church service in every denomination in every nation in a language across the world. It's really spectacular. I, I sometimes spend hours just watching live stream services that have been pre-recorded. It's fascinating to watch it. And so I like doing that. That's what preachers like to do. And, and uh, I like to see how other people worship. But at the time, you couldn't do that. There was, well, there was none of that. There was no live stream. Nobody knew what that was. And so he said, go to this church. So my wife and I went to that church. And it was amazing. Beautiful building. Brand new structure. It was the prettiest church we'd ever seen in our life. People were excited. There was electricity in the air. The services were fantastic. The, the message was powerful. And it was just very inspiring. After it was over, we were standing in this huge lobby. We had a lobby over there that was, you know, the size of a closet. It wasn't terrible, but it was, it was not enough to, to get your congregation in. And, 
And uh, uh, so we're standing in this large cavernous uh, lobby and just a beautiful place. And the pastor came out and I began to talk with the pastor and he was very kind to share with me. It was, by the way, a surprise to us that, again, this is in 1999, uh, I, I was surprised to find out that they had an elderly pastor. And by elderly, he was about my age now. And um, that surprised me. I thought he would be a young man, but he shared with us very quickly. I said, tell me about your church. Why is it so amazing? What, what, what's the secret? He said, well, Lee, first of all, you need to know that this didn't happen overnight. That's the first thing he said to me. You are, he said, you are seeing the results, not the years of patience, of struggle, of challenges, of decisions that made to bring us to this point. God brought us here, he says, but we struggled all the way. It took a long time. So that's not the answer I wanted. I wanted him to say, here are three secrets. Listen closely. And if you do these three secrets, by, by next month, you can be running a thousand. And he didn't do that. So instead, he said, it takes a long time, perseverance and patience. So here we are 25 years later. God is, is blessing us. And I really believe that we're in the beginning phases of the growth of this church, not in the final stages of the growth of our church. It's a growing community, a growing area, and God's church and God's kingdom should grow. But I do remember that, hearing that from him. I thought, wow, uh, the, the truth is, the reality is, in many churches today, they simply don't grow because it's too hard. And that's really what he was sharing with me. He said they lost people in every decision they made, people left, because it's hard. Growing the kingdom is not easy, not supposed to be. It takes too long. It costs too much. It requires so much effort for decades. Statistically, for many churches and most pastors, for most staff and for many members, along the years, they lose heart. They become impatient and we move on. Pastors are the most guilty. But patience is not just a virtue for a church. It is the same challenge for almost every area of your life. Patience may be the most hated word in our language if not at least the most ignored word in our language. So today's message is entitled, Finding Patience in an Instant World. Finding Patience in an Instant World. Let's look up at our passage for this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, just one verse. And I could have gone on. I mean, Ephesians 4 is a fantastic chapter. When you get a chance later on uh, this week, read that uh, entire chapter. But he says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient. There's the word patient, bearing with one another in love. And these are all difficult directives. And of course, these directives are intertwined. They're not independent of one another. I think you understand that in an initial reading, but they're challenging, humble, gentle, patient. But here's the hard word that was shocking. In fact, I've got to think that the readers in the church in Ephesus, when they first read this letter, this letter turned to one another and said, is, is he serious? He says, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing one with one another in love. That word completely is tough. There are not many people in this world that are completely humble and gentle. Certainly not in this culture, because our culture teaches us to be just the opposite of that. 
bearing with one, uh, bearing with one another in love. Again, a difficult directive. Are you patient? That's rhetorical. Don't confess anything. But, or, and don't point at your spouse. Uh, I've got some of that. Uh, just a rhetorical question, an important question. Are you patient? Are you known for your patience? I know people that cook a frozen pizza in my own household in a microwave rather than the oven. It tastes like rubber, but it saves 12 minutes. <laughs> I myself have grown intolerant of movies. It's a two or three hour commitment. TV shows last an hour. Who has an hour? YouTube videos, I started watching those. They last from five to 15 minutes. Who has 15 minutes? That's just too long. So you know what has become so popular in our culture today? It's these TikTok videos. Now, I'm not, I don't have TikTok, but they come up on, on Facebook and they're five to 15 seconds long. And that's our attention span. That's it. Some of you have already watched, looked at your watch this morning before, <laughs> since the beginning of the sermon. We've got about a 15 minute attention span. But frankly, that's even too long for me. I look at some of those videos and it'll, it'll show a, a goat standing on the side of a hill, just standing there on the side of a hill. And there will be this caption that says, wait for it. Nope, I'm out immediately. <laughs> as soon as I see wait for it, I'm done. I don't have time to waste 13 seconds of your video just to show me two or three seconds of action. Just cut out the first part, give, give me the three second video so I can move on. We have no patience anymore at all. Everything is instant, or we want it to be. Whew. Wow. Let me give you a definition. Patience, and this is hard, but this is what patience is. Patience is self-restraint, which does not hastily retaliate against a wrong. Patience is the ability to accept delay or disappointment graciously. Patience is the powerful attribute that enables a man or a woman to remain steadfast under strain and continue pressing on. Patience is a calm endurance based on the certain knowledge that God is in control. Are you patient? Well, really, my one point this morning is this. God expects you and I to be patient. God expects us to be patient. It's not a requirement for salvation, but if you're going to grow as a believer in Christ, you and I must learn patience. It's not just a strong suggestion by God. Time and again in the New Testament, we'll see that it is a blatant directive. God says, be patient. I know that's not popular or flashy, but it is life-changing. James chapter 5, verse 7 says it this way. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, I want... To, to note a couple of things in that passage. First, he sandwiches the, the discussion of patience between the beginning and the end, where both times he talks about the return of Jesus Christ. James understood, of all people, that there was a time and a promise that Jesus made that he was going to come back, and Jesus is going to return. 
There will come a time where this is all going to be wrapped up. Jesus, in his timing, is going to do that. They were expecting it in their lifetime, hoping for it in their lifetime, as I'm hoping for it in my own. But it hadn't happened yet. And so they're waiting. And so what do you do while you're waiting on the return of Christ? Well, some of them got tired of waiting. They lost patience. And so he shares with them this, this verse, be patient until he's coming. And so this is what we should do while we're waiting on Christ's return. And then he gives this beautiful illustration. He says about the farmer, he says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Now, most of us aren't farmers anymore. They were a farming community and a farming culture back then. If they didn't farm, they didn't reap any harvest. And if they didn't reap any harvest, they all starved to death. Today, again, right now, we're not harvesting a lot of eggs, apparently. There's a big shortage of eggs, and everybody's going crazy because the price of eggs have gotten so high. Well, my mother-in-law has chickens, and so we get free eggs, so we don't care. <laughs> but it's funny how, how, how we do that. The truth is, if we, we don't even think about, oh, I hope there's a harvest this year of corn, because I love corn, and I need corn, you know, tortillas. Uh, you know, or uh, we hope this or that or this. No, if, if, if there's always a harvest for us, it's down at Walmart. We just get whatever they have. And if they don't have it, we have to go to Albertsons or wherever to, to get the harvest. And so we, we're spoiled in that respect. That didn't happen in the first century. They planted the plants and there was no corn. There was no grain. There was no fruit until it was time for harvest. And they had to wait. So if you're an impatient person, you should not desire to be a farmer. Um, number one, they had to be patient with the soil. The farmer had to, uh, to, to go through pain and toil to prepare the soil in order to sow the seed. The Jewish farmer would do this after the early rains. There was a particular time that they did it and then they would wait. They had to be patient with the seed and Put that out, and that took a long time. And then when you put the seed in, I don't know a lot about farming, but my dad had a huge garden. That seed goes in, nothing happens. Days go by, and you don't see much. And if you have a good rain or you water it, you start to see a little tiny thing come up. It's a long way from a tomato or a corn stalk. You have to wait. You don't have a choice. There's no fast track for that. That had to be patient with the season. Why does the farmer willingly wait so long? Verse tells us, uh, this passage tells us because it produces a crop. Do you want your life to be fruitful? Do you think that's going to happen instantly? You can't pop your desires in a microwave and have it come out in a few minutes and it's done. It takes time, a lifetime. And so James is telling them, guys, be patient. Jesus come back in time, but right now, be patient. Be doing what God calls you to do. So why were James's readers struggling to be patient? Well, they were being persecuted. In various ways, they were suffering, and no one liked suffering. And in the middle of their suffering, they wanted to get up, or give up. They were getting discouraged. In fact, the word patience means what? Long-suffering. 
Some of the translations will translate it that way. That's what patience is. It's not long blessing or long happiness. It's long suffering. You have to be patient in affliction in order for you to reap a harvest. Now, on a general note, everyone suffers. You and me. If you're tempted, by the way, to sit there and think, well, nobody suffered like I have. Well, yeah, actually, they do. Everybody suffers. Of course, our suffering is more personal than it is spiritual, especially here in the United States. Right now, our government is not trying to kill us for our faith. There are no scars on our backs, no broken bones to show for our faith in Christ. There are in many countries, but not here. Our suffering tends to be due to the fact that we live in a fallen world which results in broken relationships, personal hardships, and losing those we love to disease and conflict. And in that respect, that happens to whether you're Baptist or Buddhist or Anglican or agnostic or atheist. It happens to everybody. We all lose loved ones. My mother and father, when my mother died, he just about killed me. I mean, it was, it was the lowest moment of my life. And I know many of you know exactly how that feels because we all go through that kind of suffering in our life. But a lot of our lack of patience doesn't have anything to do with suffering on any level. And we know it. When the light turns green and I'm stuck sitting there because the godless person in front of me is staring at their phone. Well, that's not the kind of suffering that James is talking about. With us, patience or a lack thereof is more of an impulse control problem. When I say, are you patient? Many of you are jabbing one another because you're thinking impulse control issue, not actual suffering. Now, perhaps your loved ones are suffering because of your impulse control problem, but that's what we often struggle with. But God calls us to be patient. Again, that's not fun, but it is important. Abraham had to wait 100 years for Isaac to come along, his son. Noah had to wait over 100 years to complete the task of building the ark to prove that he wasn't crazy, that God really was speaking to him. The ultimate, I told you so, you know, as that ark begins to float. Joseph had to wait in slavery and imprisonment for years, for many years before the fulfillment of his dream that he had when he was a kid that God was going to bless him. Moses had to wait 80 years to get a response from God to send a deliverer to bring them out of bondage in Egypt. And God chose Moses. That wasn't a part of his prayer, by the way. The Israelites had to wait 40 years before claiming the promised land. Job had to wait much longer than he preferred just to receive a response to God in the midst of his suffering. Mary and Martha had to wait many agonizing days for Jesus to show up when word came to him that their brother Lazarus was sick. And by the time Jesus got there, he had been dead and in the tomb for four days. That's an agonizing wait. Jesus had to wait 30 years before beginning his ministry and then had to wait three more years before fulfilling his plan to down a cross, all the time knowing it was coming, lingering in the future. But it wasn't time. And he knew the timing of his heavenly father was perfect. 
The apostles had to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the Holy Spirit. You can imagine after witnessing the resurrected Jesus and seeing him ascending into heaven, they were ready to go. But Jesus said, no, I want you to patiently wait for a while. So how do we become more patient? Well, today I want to give you four ways we can learn patience. Not easy ways, but simple. Four ways you and I can learn patience. There are really four important truths to remember because you know all of these, and so I will remind you. Number one, remember, and you know I'm going to say this, but there's no way to talk about patience in the Bible and not say it. Remember, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And I'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right in the middle of that is patience. These, are, of course, are all interwoven together, and he has patience in the middle. He says... That's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and why is that so important? Because that's what we do. Bear good fruit. That's our function. That's our purpose. In John chapter 15, verse 5, in his last conversation with his disciples, before he went out and was arrested at his last supper, he said to his disciples, in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the abiding is really, really important. That's how we bear fruit. And, and he says, this is what you're to do. You're to bear fruit. This is how you bear fruit. And your function and my function in life is to bear fruit. Not to be saved. God's already saved us if we get surrendered ourselves to Christ. Through his mercy, by his grace, we are saved by grace through faith. Not by works. But having come to faith in Jesus Christ, God calls us to be worth something, to do something, to produce, not just consume. Are you being productive in your life? And so that's what he's telling us to do. And in the midst of that, that fruit of patience is mentioned in Galatians 5.22. And so how do we do that? By abiding in Christ. So you might need to spend more time abiding in Christ. When you're in traffic and you're bullying mad, pray. No, no, don't just pray judgment on that person. <laughs> pray for patience. When you're waiting at the doctor's office, pray. When you're in that restaurant waiting way too long for your food, pray for your waitress or waiter. When you're waiting for your spouse, get on your knees and pray. <laughs> God will give you patience, but you're going to have to abide in Christ. Here's, here's, here's the reality of this. You and I know the theology. You and I know the doctrine that God is here right now. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be also. We claim that promise. We believe that promise, but we don't see him. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here in power, but I can't see him. And I believe through the Holy Spirit, Christ is here with us as well. But... If Jesus walked through those doors, literally, walked down the aisle and came up on the stage, you'd stop looking at your watches. <laughs> and so would I. <laughs> we, we would be abiding at that point, would we not? Yeah, I, I've got a lot of questions for him. And I, I want to talk to him. I want to see him. I want to hear from him. And I want to worship him. 
And we wouldn't care what day it was or what time it was. We wouldn't care about what we're having for lunch or the main things that we have to do this afternoon, get all done before we go back to work. Which is another thing, by the way. God, God gave us Sunday to worship and to rest. But we're so hectic. We don't have time for rest. In fact, we barely have an hour to squeeze in for church. And sometimes we don't even do that because there's so many things on the schedule. We've got to get it done. We've got to get it done. We've got to get it done. And God says, oh, be patient. Wait. Rest and worship. It's hard for us to do. And so abide in Christ. Really, honestly, apart from that, you're not going to have patience. You're just not. You're going to go the way of our culture and everybody's just driving everybody crazy all the time. So that brings me to the second remember. Remember to slow down. Remember to slow down. God did not design us to live a life that hectic all the time. Patience is difficult to develop because it is contrary to our culture. We don't live in a relaxed culture. We live in a culture that's about to have a conniption at any moment. Our whole country is just about to pop all the time. Have you noticed? And that gets reflected in our life. God didn't design us to live that way. He doesn't want you to design that way, uh, to, to, to live that way. Listen, I, I got a shocker here for you for those of you who don't travel much. There are many countries in our world that aren't that way. Our country didn't used to be that way. It's changed. That's why I love going to the Philippines. If you're visiting with us, uh, you, you don't know. My wife is Filipino. And I love the Philippines. It's a completely different culture there. They are so relaxed. Their traffic's way worse than ours. They don't care. And you go into traffic in Manila or anywhere else, it's just honk, 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 honk. There's a million honkings. There's no shootings. There's no fisticuffs. They, they get honked at. And they, okay. They just don't stress like we do. I love that about the Philippines. It's so calm there. It's so laid back. Their attitude is, well, whatever happens, happens. It'll be all right. Now, of course, everything starts late. <laughs> Nothing's on time because they're not in a big giant hurry like we are. But I love just relaxing when I go there because it's not so hectic. It's because we're on a fast track. We're on a rat race. We don't even know what that means, but we're in it we're in a world of fast food and quick print and expressways and 10-minute oil changes. I saw a commercial last week because 10-minute oil change is too long where you don't even get out of your car. You drive up and like a race car team, uh, they immediately start draining your oil and filling it back up because who's got 10 minutes to get out of their car? And so we live in a world like that. And you may say, well, I may be impatient, but I get things done. This is just our excuse to be frantic all the time. Psalm chapter 130, verse 5 says this. Hard to do. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Not much on the waiting. It's hard for us. Third, remember, patience is the loving choice. Patience is the loving choice. And if you have no patience, you've got a love problem. I can prove it. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Patience is the very first description 
of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, it's what we know as the love chapter. Paul was at the end of chapter 12. He was speaking about spiritual gifts, both in chapter 12 and 14. And he comes to the end of chapter 12 where he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Did you know some spiritual gifts are greater than others? And I think Paul thought for a moment, what is the best gift? What's the greatest? What's at the top? And then he devotes this entire chapter just to love. He spends the first three verses talking about what life is like without love. He says, I can have all these spiritual gifts and talk like the angels, but if I don't have love, it's just noise. He says, I can be all talented. In fact, he says, I can be all knowing and have all wisdom, but if I don't have love, it's nothing. And then he finally says, I can surrender my body to the flames. I can die for a great cause, but if I don't have any love in my heart, I've died for nothing. So that's what life is like without love. It is pointless. I've never known, and you have never known, of a person who lived an, an, an unloving, unkind life, and at the end of his life go, ooh, that went well. I was really happy. Never. They're always miserable. So maybe you have a love problem in your life, and it's not a love problem that people aren't giving you enough love. Love is something that you give to others. And there we find meaning. And then he says, in the middle of that, in verse 4, let me tell you what love is. Here's the definition. And really, it, he doesn't say one thing. It's, it's sentences of multi... Uh, I can compare it to a diamond. A diamond has all these facets to it. And all the facets work in conjunction, in conjunction with one another to produce this beautiful, perfect, brilliant thing that's lovely to look at. And love is that way. And so he says... All of these definitions for love, and I won't read them except verse 4, he begins with this. Love is patient. Of all the things he's going to say, he begins with the word patient. And so if you don't have patience, you're missing a major facet. Your diamond's not going to look too good. Love is patient. <clears throat> Long before email, a young man was very impatient one time with his mother. He got in an argument with her, made him mad, and he just got tired. of. He just became impatient. They argued. And at work, one day, he wrote an angry, an angry letter to his mother. He was mean. He let her have it. His mom, grown man. He gave it to a, a co-worker. He sealed it and gave it to a co-worker and asked the co-worker to go mail it course, like what happens often with us and men, we do this. I do at least. We make decisions and then we start thinking about it. He started thinking about it and a day or two went by and he began to regret more and more and more those mean things that he said in that letter to his mom. He went to his co-worker a few days later and he said, you know, I deeply regret that. I would give anything if I could just have that letter back. And his co-worker reached into his pocket handed in the letter. He said, I knew what you wrote. I couldn't mail it. But the reality is so many things in our life we can't take back. We lose patience and we say things and do things we regret. Do we not? Be patient. Fourth, remember that God is patient with you. Remember that God is patient with you. <laughs> I love this passage. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, Peter says this. this. is Peter talking, uh, the, the, the king of impatience. 
He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, here's the beauty of this verse. First of all, he, he, it's, it's on the subject of patience. And immediately he's talking about what apparently is perceived by some as the slowness of God. Have you ever noticed how slow God is? He's not nearly fast enough for us. I want what I want right now. I need an answer to my prayer today, before the struggling preferably, <laughs> before the problems get worse. I want an answer right now. But God is patient. And, and so here's what Peter says. He's learned the hard way. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He says, I want you to know, if you perceive that the Lord is slow, the problem is with you, not with God. He's not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, God has his own scale. But then he turns the tide here and he says, God, that is he, is patient with you. Now, the subject was us being patient with God because we think God is too slow. He then says, remember, God's patient with you. Is he not patient with us? He's patient with the world. I've told you, I don't get it. I'd wrap it up today. And we find ourselves just like the readers in the New Testament going, when is it going to happen? Just like James and his readers, when is he coming back? How much more do we have to wait? But God says, be patient. He's patient with us. And then he says, if you're wondering why he's taking a long time, listen to what it says. He says, he is not, he, excuse me, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The problem, or not the problem, the reality is, the reason that God hasn't wrapped it all up is because he's not done. You may be done, I may be done, I may be tired and sick of this world, but God's purpose for this world isn't complete. And his plan is to use you and me to share the gospel until the time is right, and then God will take care of it. Trust him and be patient. In 1897, a man, a man by the name of Pearl Waite wore several hats. Does anybody here know who Pearl Waite is? Not a household name. That's, that's his last name. I'm not making it up. It's W-A-I-T. His name was Waite. You'd think he'd be patient, right? His name is Waite. He was a construction worker. He dabbled in, in certain medicines. It went door to door selling homemade remedies, snake oil. In the midst of his tinkering, he came upon the idea of mixing fruit flavoring with a granulated gelatin. His wife named it Jello. And Waite, Mr. Waite, thought it was just another product to try to peddle. Unfortunately, sales didn't go as quickly as he thought they should, and so he lost patience with his new product. He didn't want to wait for it to take off. And so just, after, uh, just a few months after developing the product of Jell-O, he sold all the rights to a man named Orator Woodward for $450. Woodward knew the bargain that he got. Understanding the value of marketing and patience, within just eight brief years, he turned that $450 investment into a million-dollar business. 
Today, not a single relative of Pearl Weight receives one penny from the millions of boxes of Jell-O that are sold every day. I think it's like 1.5 million boxes are sold a day. <laughs> Is that not extraordinary? That's a lot of Jell-O. Why? Because Mr. Weight just couldn't wait. Isn't that extraordinary? Don't let your impatience destroy the blessings of life that God has for you. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and we ask and pray for forgiveness for those many times where we have lost patience and I am included. We struggle. We live in a world that has lost patience long ago. We put ourselves in pressure cookers and then we become impatient and frustrated because of the life that we've chosen to live. It's bizarre. Father, forgive us. Help us to move forward, but move forward patiently, waiting on you as you wait on us. Help us to remember that our patience is directly connected to and an integral part of our love. No patience, no love. Help us realize that overcoming this one obstacle in our life could transform every relationship we have. It could remove the anxiety in our hearts. Help us to live longer, to be healthy longer. If we'll just learn to be patient and wait. As you're praying right now, no one's looking around. Don't, don't answer, but am I talking to you? Is this a challenge for you? It is for many. It's not for everybody, but it is for many, if not most. How patient are you? Your relationship to Christ is dependent upon that answer. Your relationship with everybody in this world is dependent upon that answer. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit that God has given you. It is powerful. In a world that doesn't understand that. But it is power in your life. Just learning to be patient. So my challenge to you this morning as you're praying right now. That you have a moment of honesty with your God. A moment of sobriety. And say, God, I admit I am impatient. I struggle. Help me to remember that love is patient and help me to master that in my life, in my relationships. Wherever I go, whether at the store or the restaurant or in traffic or in a sharp disagreement with someone, help me to learn to be patient. May your spirit empower me to have more patience. Will you pray that? Maybe you want to come down and get on your knees and just say, God, I... I surrender this problem to you. And listen, I'm not talking to your spouse or the person behind you or beside you right now. I'm talking to you. This is for you. This is not for something you go home and beat each other up with. It's for you. How patient are you? It may be you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you have no patience in your life because he's not the master of your life. You don't listen to him. And you know you need to. 
I challenge you to come down and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to him. I want him to be the master. I need this loving patience. Could be God is calling you or your family to, to join with First Baptist Church and to work out your own salvation here and grow and be productive with us. If God is speaking right now, this is your opportunity. This is your time. This is your moment. Would you stand? Everyone with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if everyone would stand. And as you stand and as you pray right now, you come.